Welcome to Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Here, we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion, unless your show is worth more than just one shot. I'm Justice, alongside me is my co-pilot Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be Gunpowder. Gunpowder is a show about the gunpowder treason plot, and it is produced by... Hold on. I think you're vastly overestimating the American knowledge of what the gunpowder treason plot was. I mean, I thought we'd explain that a bit in the episode. I was just going to explain the uh, whole Kit Harrington tie. Okay, so a rundown real fast. The gunpowder treason plot, most Americans know it because of the movie V for Vendetta. Or if Um, you're cool, the graphic novel V for Vendetta. And it was a attempt in 1605... To blow up Parliament and murder the King of England, King James I at the time, and the Sixth, and it didn't go so well. Yeah. So the show is partially produced and created by Kit Harrington, also known as Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. And oddly, Kit Harrington is both a descendant of one of the planners of the Gunpowder Treason plot, Robert Catsby, and is apparently also a descendant of one of the nobles individuals that would have been in the parliament had it succeeded in their blowing up attempt, a Lord Harrington. Wild. Right? Is he, like, is that one side of his family? Like... I, I somehow don't, I, I did not look that far into it. Somehow weird, a Catsby right? ended up marrying a Harrington and like, or... I have no idea, but just odd. Before we get into the review, I just want to let you know that this is actually a holiday spectacular special episode. We are celebrating with our English listener, listeners, Guy Fox Day, also known as Bonfire Night. Yep. Do we really know a lot about the holiday? No. Do we like it more than Thanksgiving? Inherently, yes. I don't have to spend this holiday with my family. <laughs> I mean... From a historical perspective, I don't know. Well, yeah, I do. Thanksgiving's worse. Never mind. Yeah, Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving's worse. This is just a bunch of Christians fighting each other. Thanksgiving is, was a bunch of Christians, you know, taking over native lands and then persecuting them for centuries afterwards. So the gunpowder plot is, in the modern day, not really remembered as what it was. It's, re- it's remembered as a group of individuals trying to overthrow their government, but like... Which I think we can all kind of get behind. But it's actually like... A deeply ingrained fight between Catholicism and Protestantism in early 17th century England. Yeah. And it's really weird that Guy Fox is the only person people remember from that. When he wasn't even like the mastermind behind it. He was just the guy who knew how to do explosives and thus was caught because he was the guy by the explosives. And based on this show, the most murdery of all the individuals, he was like, oh, I mean, we he a- was a Spanish mercenary. We have a problem. Let me stab it. Yeah. Which is actually my favorite attitude for solving problems. Oh, so you're the murder hobo in the D&D party. No, not normally. Eh. I am the guy that after we do murder hobo somebody, I'm like, hey, we could use his intestines to make a rope. And I'm the guy that's like, you know, that body weighs down traps. But I'm not a murder hobo. I just happen to think holistically about the murdered individuals. I use every part of the dirt farmer. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Anyways, though, Gunpowder, episode one. I just want to say, before we fully dive into it, now, first, this show's from 2017. It's by HBO. I know it's on HBO Max for free, and I think it might be on Amazon Prime for free as well. Mm, it's um, places. But I want to say before we dive into it, I really appreciate the pacing of this show. The pacing of the show is fantastic. 
And there are a few times when it does a cut back and forth where we don't necessarily need one, which as you will learn probably on our next full review, is something we hate. However, this does it at appropriate times when you're building suspension tension and not just because we can. Like the pacing of the show is so good that me, world renowned for having a very shitty memory, yeah, world renowned. I would, I have a friend in India. That's and Australia. Also, our downloads show we have listeners all over the world. So yeah, world renowned for having not a necessarily shitty... a fuck ton of listeners, but listeners everywhere. World renowned for having a shitty memory. I don't need notes for episode one. Odd, right? Wild. Let's get into episode one. So episode one, we start with a Catholic ritual funeral. No, we start with a funeral. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. We Queen Elizabeth the first is dead. Yeah, we open with some white text so, intros and some pretty King pictures James in the background. King James the sixth of Scotland or Ireland. I'm not actually for sure. I, I think it's Scotland. I, I think don't it's remember. Pretty sure um, it's Scottish. Yeah. Uh, King James the sixth of Scotland is now King James the first of England, and he's had a very long conflict with the very heavily Catholic Spain at this time, it's but is looking to make a treaty with. Them. The show describes it as a generation long conflict. Yeah, but he's looking to make a treaty with Spain. However, he is still persecuting the Catholics. In England. Yeah, Catholicism's illegal, having mass is illegal, um, not going to church is illegal. Protestant church? <laughs> yeah, you can go to Catholic church if you want, you just can't be a Catholic. <laughs> I thought that was I thought it was obvious I meant Protestant church justice. Yeah. The only church that we should identify is the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. May he be kind with his pasta sauce. Never forgetting. I know nothing about the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, I want to make that clear right now. Yeah. It just... If you haven't noticed by this point, which you probably should have, we're not big on organized religions. Very irreverent. Yeah. Anyways, though, so we get that little background about just what's happening at that time in England, and then we are pushed into a scene of a Catholic, I guess, mass inside of a home. Mass is a strong um, communion. word. A Catholic communion, communion. Thank you. And in this scene, we have... It's one of those weird-ass religious ceremonies where you pretend that you're like cannibalizing people and drinking blood drinking blood would still be cannibalistic yes so we have three fathers in this scene robert catsby and he's not a father i mean he is a father yes yes we have three religious fathers three priests of catholicism robert catsby Anvo, his cousin, and Anvo's mother, uh, Dorothy... I would assume Vo, Dorothy Vo. No, 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 it, it was Dibdell. Dorothy Dibdell, because I made a Doug Dimmendell reference. <laughs> Doug Dimmendell reference. It was Dorothy Dibdell of the uh, Dibdell Dimmendell. That was my joke. So actually, we should clarify, we had four fathers in this scene, one of, one of which was just not... They had a child, rather than being... Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> So they're doing the whole communion thing, praying in Latin, receiving the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And then we see a bunch of inquisitors riding up on this very large building. Technically, they're not inquisitors. They're inquisitors. But yeah, they're inquisitors. The English Inquisition. Nobody expects it. And so we cut back to the room with our Catholic peeps. And a servant comes in to inform the lady of the house, Dorothy Dibsdale, owner of the Dibsdale Dibbadum, that Sir William Wade is here, and he's apparently, like, the head inquisitor. Yeah, he works for the Secretary of State, as the Secretary of State has made it his job to murder all the Catholics. Yeah. Um, even though that's not his instructions from the king or his job, and in fact, according to King James at this point, it's not illegal to be Catholic so much as it's illegal to be a priest uh, in the Catholic faith. Yeah. So, yeah. E. So they hide all of their Catholic... Their, I mean, it's still illegal not to go to church. So if you went to your Protestant church, but were secretly a C- Catholic, King James is like, whatever. Yeah. Like, 
So they hide all their Catholic symbology and iconography and also hide the priests. We have the youngest one, which we had just learned before we got here, that he is being sent to Flanders to talk to a Stanley, generally just about the whole Catholic oppression. He's given a letter by apparently this really important priest, Father Garnet, and the letter is just like a letter of introduction and equivocally passive for anyone that's like, hey, I'm really Catholic. It's like a, hey, let me crash at your place for free kind of card. And if anybody has no idea where Flanders is, somewhere in England, yep, in the county of Brussels, it doesn't help me figure out where it's at at all, but maybe you know England better than I do. Yeah. So our young priest, the one who received the letter, Father Daniel Smith, hides in a area underneath a window seat. You know, there's really nice like cabinet things and storage systems we have now. Apparently, they, they just didn't exist, so it's a really good hiding spot nobody's gonna look in that obvious window seat with a trunk yeah i don't know why you have that box just built out but apparently it's solid wood and then the other two fathers hide in a secret compartment inside of the wall and this wall has like a bunch of wooden mosaic tiles on it i don't mean to interrupt you but apparently they like the inquisitors just think it's solid like exactly no no that's my point like it's dumb so wade is pounding on the door insisting he be let in as they're hiding all their stuff and eventually, Robert Catsby, or Robin, as his maternal Family figure calls him. Call, yeah, well, like, everybody calls him Robin. Yeah. Let's probably, him in. Because, probably because there's four Roberts in this show. Yeah. So he lets him in, and the guy immediately draws a sword and points at him. He's just like, what took so long? Blah, 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 blah. And begins to ask where all the papists are. Papist is a word that means Catholic. Yep. The more you know. Just to give you a rundown of the Roberts in the show, we have Robert Catsby. Robert Robert Catsby Jr. Robert Catsby Jr. Or the second, I guess, because we're being British. Robert Cecil. Yep. The Secretary of State, the leader of the Inquisition. Indeed. And there's another Robert involved in the gunpowder plot. Robert Wintour, the brother-in-law of Robert Catsby. Yes. So Wade essentially tells Dorothy that I'm going to find the priest. You can't hide him from me. Also, there's a Robert Keys. I forgot that one. That's five Roberts. Yeah. So Wade's just like, I'm going to find the priest. You can't hide them from me. So he tells those men to go check the beds, which Dorothy had the foresight to tell her servants to turn the beds that the priest had slept in upside down. So the warm side was on the bottom, so the top would feel cold. Mm-hmm. And then we get the, you know, casual classic police search, by which I mean disregarding any and all private possessions, just knocking them to the floor, even though, oh, that's just a cup. They're clearly not hiding in a cup. But what if this cup was on the floor? No, they're cl- they are clearly hiding the priest in the cup. Also, it should be noted that this scene takes place insanely early in the morning the sun hasn't fully risen yet yeah so when wade asks like well why did it take so long she's just like you expect two ladies to be like prepared for guests this early in the morning what the fuck's wrong with you highly inappropriate sir highly inappropriate yeah so they're finding nothing and it looks like they're all in the clear but then we see some guys outside with a measuring rod dude measuring the width of every wall so when the inquisitors show up like i said it's like a gray dawning morning still yes there's no full sun but like by the time they're measuring this house it's like 9 10 in the morning the sun is up in the sky like this isn't just a we think you're harboring illegal people we're gonna search your house this is we're gonna take up your entire morning and like make you stand here while we search everything yes like when would come is in he says talk to all the servants i want all of their names i want to know where they're from the parish they were born in how long they've been sort of serving lady dorothy yeah so they're oh, measuring they the did outside. say her name yeah so they're measuring all the outside to get a base idea of how large each room should be then they come in and measure the room that they're currently in and they're just like the room and the outside don't match up which um 
Yeah, that should, that sounds normal to me. Yeah, like it feels like you would uh, lose space between outside and inside. Especially because this is a very large structure that appears to be very solid block building. Yeah, I, it just feels like you lose space going outside to inside. Unless they've done the maths to figure out, like, well, the block is this far back. But how do you know I don't have a second block behind that? I don't know. Like, I'm assuming they're measuring, like, in the doorway to see, like, how wide a block is and then subtracting that and just being like, okay, well, so... no, no, no. My doorway blah, blah, blah. I only have one block, but, like, the rest of my walls are double blocked. Yeah, that's just your fault for being weird. You're gonna get so much hassle for it. You shouldn't care that much about insulation. Ugh, it's so stupid. So once I mean, you... I, this is 100% how things worked back then. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm, just I'm measuring, stupid. Like, we have measuring rods nowadays. They have actual measurements on them. But, like, measuring rods basically did start out back then. It was just, like, a stick you used to measure distances. Yeah. So it's a thing they would have done. It's just stupid. Yes. But then again, when have the police not been stupid? Yeah, so A cab, am I right? Also, they're not actually police, but I feel like this is, like, so proto-police that it's obviously proto-police. Yeah. So, Sir William Wade begins to inspect the walls more, because before he was already looking at them. But now he's looking around, really into it. And as he's getting close to finding the two fathers hidden in a tiny little wall closet together, we get a cut between them and the other one to build the gentian, so we're looking out through this gap at him. And our young father, Daniel Smith, drops something he's holding, I assume, some iconography that I just didn't pay attention to when he hid. I don't know. It was like a silver ball made of metal i have no idea what that was yeah. supposed to be so it makes a clatter and they immediately run over the bench sheet and knock off all of the like blankets and pillows lift the lid because wow that's a really convenient place to put stuff and there's a full there's a full grown person there do you know how much stuff you could just store in there it's so convenient i have you uh, could store like another actually, person in there oh no i don't know i know what the silver ball is it's a censure Oh, it could be a censor, yeah. It's a censure. That, that's the pronunciation. I don't give a fuck. They're used to make smelly stuff go places. And they're normally attached to a chain? Typically, yeah. That they're, ha- they're it, had weird. Ch- it had a chain on it. Yeah, no, they're weird. So yeah, that was definitely a censure. Also, it'd have to suck to be the person that carries one of those, because they I were ju- occasionally carried. Like, I Think just, about it. Like, If you can't stand the smell you're having to carry around all fucking day. I've ugh. just never seen a censure outside of D&D art or Magic the Gathering cards. Or like <laughs> hanging from a post in art. Yeah, I've never... Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so wild i just like so he <sighs> pulls the father out and then sees the note pulls the note out and just like uh, before we get to the note we should mention the other two fathers names the two fathers hiding together in the wall closet thing our father garnet who i did mention the name our, fa- of. our father henry garnet and father john gerard yes so he pulls out father daniel smith and he's just like who are you the guy answers and then he finds the letter pulls it out and he's like where'd you get this from and i don't know who he's like who gave you this letter i don't know i don't remember and I'm like dude that's gonna hold up about as well as i have no hands yeah like father garnet even said he signed it so wade's looking at this thing it's just like henry garnet should i explain the i have no hands or no nah, it's good if they don't know it that's their fault i'm gonna find the link to that and put that in the show notes do it i should have it bookmarked somewhere it's so easy to find i don't have first hand or second hand knowledge in fact i have no hands yeah mm, i'm not gonna get away with that am i so wade goes to grab robert catsby or robin catsby and then upsteps and dorothy dibsdo and she's like i'm responsible for all individuals in this house these two knew nothing of it yeah also we we didn't mention when, when William Wade came into the room, he had a sword drawn and pointed at... I said that. Catsby. Uh, that's not what I'm saying you didn't okay. say. Okay. But his second in command took Catsby's sword because apparently Catsby has a reputation as a as a, as a great swordsman. Yes. So they I mean, disarmed him as soon as they came in the room because, again, they're cops. Yeah. Also, during this scene, uh, Sir Wade implies that Anne Vo, the cousin, just sleeps with all the priests that come through this area. Which shows a distinct lack of knowledge about, like, the Catholic priesthood and a distinct lack of knowledge about the 
little boys because <laughs> Anvo is not a small child. Maybe that's why Robert Cecil doesn't like the Catholics. We never get his backstory. I mean, his backstory exists. You could Google no, it. I don't believe so. He's not a TV character. He's a fictional character. Okay, well. So when Dorothy steps up, animates it, Wade tells his men to take her. And then Robert's just like, that's not how this is done. The women, the women are never taken. And Wade is just like, by right of the king, I have the power to basically do whatever the fuck I want. He's like, yeah, by right of, he, he, sa- he says... He doesn't um, say writ of the king, but it's equivocally that. No, he specifically says the danger of Catholicism has reached such a point that the old rules no longer apply or something something along those lines. Yeah. And he's like, basically, fuck you, I can do what I want. So Robert goes to like fight him, it seems, and then his then Dorothy's just like, No, 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 I'll go with them. Robert goes to fight him, he's like, You have to go through me and Wade's like, Okay, but I have six dudes with swords. Okay. And one bet. of them took your sword. Yeah. And then Dorothy's just like, No, 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 I'll go. So Wade and his men take Dorothy and Father Smith. Yes. From here... From here, we see Wade talking with Cecil. Okay, yeah, that's right. And Cecil, Robert Cecil, is like, so, have you got the information from this priest that you took? Well, his first question, because we don't have that yet. Yeah, is... Is like, so did you get Robert Catsby? And he's like, no, his uh, aunt claimed. Yeah. And he's like, well, have you got any information from the priest yet? Have you? Are you torturing him? And he's like, we've done the kind tortures. Yeah. The nicer ones. And so Cecil's just like, well, do the other ones. And he's we, like, we're going to stretch him on the rack, sir. Yeah. We need to know more about where Henry Garnet is. He is the head of this rebellion here within England. And Stanley is the head outside in Flanders, which is the man that Garnet was sending Smith to. Mm-hmm. And then from here, we jump to King James. No, we go to the execution. We go to the execution. Yeah, okay. We go to the execution. We, haven't, we don't go to King James yet. We go to the execution where they flatten Dorothy. Yeah, so there's this fun form of torture slash execution called pressing or crushing, depending on your terminology, or there's also a French term for it that's dumb. <laughs> you just described all of the French terms. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> uh, so first, I'm off, sorry. it's fine. I, I just like the French language. I learned a portion of it and have thus forgotten it because I dislike its grammatical structures. So she is asked if she will pray with their priest and she says, no, I will not pray with you and you will not pray with me. And then they ask her if she will plead guilty to her crimes. And she also again says, no, I won't plead guilty because then you'll use that as a reason to demonize my heir, my daughter and she strip her of her property and titles because if i plead guilty my family is guilty because that's how a lot of countries functioned in this time period so at that time period crushing was a way generally if someone refused to plead guilty to a crime they would put an iron plate over them and then add weights slowly generally this was a process of days that would take forever to crush someone and during this time they would kind of just check in with the person like hey do you plead guilty yet if you plead guilty well very very fast but the executioner in this is very impatient and instead of setting the weights gently on the steel plate to control the crushing weight that going on the steel plate this dude is just like chucking the weights on he's like oh i got a I got I got a twenty pounder right here. Yeah, and, and she is in this process. She is stripped down, laid on top of a small stone that is placed in like the middle of her back. That way, it applies pressure very uncomfortably, yeah. and it's part of the way someone dies. Like it's either going to crush their ribs and puncture their lungs, but it can also, in the fun case, separate the spinal column. Oh, that sounds way more painful. Yeah, yeah. I am a fan of torture methods. Um, they're just a thing I find intriguing because human beings are terrifying. And the ways we've come up to hurt each other and kill each other is just fascinating in my mind. So I know way too much about this topic. You shouldn't be admitting this. I uh, will admit it. Okay. Proudly if I want. 
Okay. So they they crush her and she dies refusing to plead guilty. I think without the rock under your back. It's not nearly that bad. And like, if I could get a pillow to put, put under my head. It's a very nice weighted blanket. Like, I don't want to say that there's a good way to die, but like, if you could do this slowly and gently and not throw the weights on me and I could just have a pillow. Yeah, this, this could be an okay way to die. Just like slowly. Yes. I mean, it's definitely better than how they now proceed to kill Father Smith. Oh, yeah, that's 100. You're 100% true. So, First, they hang him. Yes, it's a classic lynching. They pull him up to where he's struggling to breathe, but not passed out quite yet. I first, like, when we first watched this, I was like, that's not how you hang a man. Oh, did you not know what they were doing? I didn't realize they were hanging, drawing, and quartering. Yeah, baby, uh, that's I what was, you do. I was like, that's not how you hang a man. It's, a very, it's really inefficient to just have two guys pull on this rope while, while he while he struggles there is it weird if i knew just given the time period and the way the fucking uh no it's execution not execution platform it's not was set up it's, it's you it's not weird at all <laughs> it would be weird if you didn't know yeah so once they hang him for a bit they lay him down then tie his arms and feet down in a very uh christ-like pose no they had they had no time down yet they hang him they they drop him on the ground oh yeah and yeah, then yeah. the dude takes a hot knife out of a yeah they do that um first. brazier and sticks it in his stomach mm-hmm. and makes a little cut and then proceeds to pull all of his intestines out yes not all of his intestines because he doesn't pull miles of intestines out but he pulls handfuls out and drops yeah. them. and then they stretch him out in a very christ-like pose and then they axe off his arm axe off his arm and axe off his head and then they take his head dip it in tar to stop the bleeding and that way they can then you know put it up to show people that this is what happens when you're a priest this is what happens when you worship the same god as us and believe almost every single one of the same tenets as us but you do it in latin instead of in english yeah that's that's pretty much the difference between protestantism and catholicism as far as i'm aware i mean i know there's there's some other stuff with like martin luther and whatever but, but it's it's all the same thing man i mean to me islam and catholicism are very pretty much the same thing i mean judaism is very very close to you man like all three of those the three major religions are so fucking close and i don't understand the conflict so around like it, but i'm not a religion guy so I don't want to get into the topic of what the main three religions of the world shouldn't fight because apparently they don't, they they disagree they should fight, so whatever. It's just wild to me, like... Yeah. They're fighting over the smallest of details. I made a joke while we were watching this, and it was a joke in very poor taste, I will admit it. But I turned to Justice and I was like, so this is what happens when you have no black people to subjugate. You just subjugate them based on the tiniest differences in your religious beliefs. But I mean, that is what the history of humanity has done. The the back half of that joke wasn't said, it was implied. Yeah, we live in a fucked up world and people are fucked up, so. But then we move on to Cecil talking to King James. Yes, and in this scene, Cecil's like, we murdered them. She never pled guilty. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, King James. You have to take the threat of Catholicism seriously. It's growing. They're building unrest and civil unrest in Flanders, which isn't a part of England. I don't know where it's at, said Cecil. It's somewhere south of here, maybe. Yep. It's closer to Spain than it is to London. Well, that's not true. Yeah. England's an island. It's closer to Spain than London is, is what I meant to yeah. say. And King James' response is basically, keep finding their priests, keep hanging their priests, but you don't need to harass my Catholic subjects. You leave them alone. They'll be loyal. They'll do the religion and quiet it's all good don't harass my people that'll cause more unrest although i specifically like he's like don't hunt down the priests but if you find one do your thing however don't harass my catholic subjects they're just loyal and pious that's it like yeah if you don't harass them they're gonna stay loyal to the crown if you continue to harass them they're gonna go and support spain because you're murdering them yes in this scene though we also do get a fictional character 
Philip, who is put in here to... Sir Philip, he's a knight. Yes, he is equivocally the king's jester. This entire scene takes place in the king's bedroom where he just has a bevy of attendants. Apparently, they seem to be noble Scottishmen because one of the people we see here is Lord Northumberland, who is a large proponent of, yo, don't kill Catholics. Oh, Lord Northumberland, we later learn, has people in his house and in his service who are Catholics, and he's just like, look, guys, they're just as good at working as the rest of the people. Why do we need to kill them? You're killing... You're killing labor. Yeah. So in the scene, just before the whole Cecil and James talking starts, we see King James like kiss Philip on the cheek and say he's amazing because he can juggle. And this is all to do with a thing that came out about King James about a hundred-ish years after he died. There is a lot of evidence in history to suggest that King James was a power bottom. Yes. Despite Uh, the fact that he passed many, many laws against sodomy. Yes. Just a fun fact, Philip is technically a key character. Just very briefly, we don't actually deal with him a lot, but he is technically key to this. I just love the idea that this guy gained power and was like, you know what's illegal? You know what we're going to make illegal? Anal sex. Doesn't matter if you're a straight man and a straight woman. If you're two guys, anal sex is illegal. But me? Me, I'm going to have anal sex. I'm king. I'm God incarnate on earth. I can have anal sex if I want to. He just wasn't confident in his ability to pick up men. So he just made it where he was the only option where you could do it and not get killed. (laughs) That's hilarious. Like that's, but at the same time, wouldn't it be like terrifying then? Because you're like, if I ever piss him off or like ever upset him, he could just be like, I have evidence that this man has committed sodomy. No, no, no. Because generally, even if you're king, especially in a heavy religious time and you pass a law that's tied to a religion like that, kings were often still punished for those crimes, maybe not as severely, mm. but he wouldn't reveal it. He'd, he could just claim anything and have you killed, but kings can do that anyways. That's so fair. if you pissed him off, no matter what, he's going to fucking murder you. So what's the fucking matter? That's fair. So from here, we then see Robert Caspi at night gathering the body parts of Smith, the head and arms. And then he takes it to a little bonfire. Probably an insensitive term to you seeing this. They are cremating these remains and having a little It's, it's, it's a funeral ceremony funeral for ceremony. Dorothy and for... Father, father Smith's arms Daniel and head. Smith, yeah, Daniel Smith. I wanted to call him the other father, Gerard, but... Yeah, so in this scene, after that's all done, Catesby is just like, we need to strike back, basically, and Father Garnet's just like, no, we shouldn't resort to violence, that's not the way we do things. And Father Garnet's like, not only do we not, not need to strike back, but that's always your solution, your solution is always, you know... What well, if I stab them? They wronged us. We should um kill them. We should... Yeah. yeah they, they wronged us, we should kill them. And then Father Garnet's like... Jesus said to turn the other cheek and and then kids Catsby's like no the king is doing that not that's not our thing that's the king's thing yeah and then from there we see Sir William Wade headed into the Tower of London to recruit a spy. He has come here to release Captain Turner, not Bootstrap that Captain Turner. Bill Turner. Not that Captain Turner. That that Turner wasn't a captain at all. Anyways. He was a first mate. Yes, but to release a Captain Turner that he will William then... Turner? No. I don't know if he was ever captain either. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, he was. He's he captain was... of the fucking Dutchman. He was no no William Turner. Uh wait, Bill Will, Will Turner? Orlando Bloom's captain of the Dutchman at some point? Yes! Shit. At God. the end of Pirates 3. No, Pirates 2 is the one with fucking Davy Jones. Yeah, okay, my bad. At the end of that. Because no. he's dying, so Jack gives him the knife and the box and he cuts his heart out. And the entire end scene is just him on the fucking beach with um whatever her fucking name is. With a jar of sand? No. A jar of dirt, sorry. I've got a jar of No, no, no. But yeah, he's fucking Captain of the Flying Dutchman, man. The jar of dirt, Stranger Tides, right? That's that's the fourth movie? I think so. Where Captain Jack Sparrow has a jar of dirt? Uh, I, I think so, man. I don't know. I'm not a huge Pipes of the Caribbean fan. 
that's just one of my favorite memes of all time yeah. ever. But so he goes to recruit uh, Captain Turner, and he's sending this guy in the place of Father Smith because he has the letter to Flanders to meet with Stanley, who has a first name, but I never noted it down, so he's just Stanley. I'm not even sure if he's a sir. Sending him to meet with Stanley in Flanders to infiltrate the religious group there that is against the whole uh, Protestant thing. And when he's talking, uh, turns out Turner is in the tower because, as he put it, he got an altercation with a guy over a woman. Uh, His honor was besmirched due to a woman, and he had to defend his honor and demand satisfaction. He stabbed an innkeeper in the eye after he laid hands on the innkeeper's wife. Um, We don't know what laid hands means in this situation, whether he had sex with her, sexually assaulted her, physically Mm -hmm. assaulted her, but... Nothing Captain Turner said was a lie. True. So he stabbed the innkeeper in the face. Although demand satisfaction typically means... Retribution. Or duel, yeah. And in this case, demand satisfaction meant... I'm going to break my glass and stab you in the eye with it. We don't know if it was glass, but it's highly likely. Which is just wild. So Turner, to get out of the tower, she's like, I'll do anything. My life uh, my life is in your hands. And she's just like, your life is mine. I'm going to send you here. Here's this cipher that you're going to use. Well, it should be mentioned that he also chose Captain Turner because Captain Turner's family is Catholic. And Turner was like, I don't fucking know what my family's been up to. I've been trapped here for 12 fucking years. And to be fair, val- valid point. If yeah. you've been trapped in the Tower of London for 12 years, you probably don't know what you're Waiting for up to. death because he is to be killed. What makes that take so long in that time period? I know in... They were too busy killing Catholics. I know in the tw- 2000s and the 21st century, that's all the same thing. I know in the 21st century what takes so long is, you know, law because innocent people are put to death. But I don't know if that's a big he, of an issue. He just got put in there and people forgot he was in there. Like, classic hole in the legal system, man. He just fell through it. He fell through the cracks in the legal system? Yeah. So he gets sent off to do that with instructions of how to write in the cipher and a little thing of invisible ink. And he's given the number 32 as his code name. And Cecil is number one. Or is Wade number one? I don't remember. Cecil. He's Cecil. repeating directly to Cecil. Yep, yep, Cecil. Yep, Cecil. I don't know why I keep calling him Cecil. I don't know. Most people pronounce the name Cecil, but... I don't know. My brain just says Cecil. I'm glad I'm not the only Probably because I've known an actual Cecil in life. I, yeah, same. Yeah, so. Anyways, though, we then go to Robert Catsby's place, which is rather empty and soon to be emptier because he is selling things. Because, so, I mentioned earlier that not going to church is illegal. You have to go to church, your Protestant church, and Catsby isn't Protestant, so he's like, nah, man. Nah, not doing that. So he, he, he gets fined repeatedly because he's not going to church. Now, I'm not a man of strong religious moral. But if it's cost me a lot of money, I can sit in a fucking room for a while on the weekend. Yeah, like, like I don't know. Maybe he feels like that would be compromising his faith in Catholicism. It, it doesn't compromise my faith in any way. But if somebody was like, hey, if you... Actually, I have a job that doesn't... That, that works me seven days a week, most weeks. But if somebody was like, hey, if you... Assuming that you're off work, don't come to church. We're going to make you pay us $500. I'd be like, yeah, cool. I'll see you in church. Yeah. But anyways, in this scene. Are, are, are we doing the tiny little like biscuits and small cups of wine? Because I really want to be there for that one. Yeah. So in this scene, we see his assumedly brother-in-law, Tom Winter, patching up his son, Robert Caspi's son, well, Robert. Yeah. Thomas Winter and Robert Winter both are brother-in-laws to Robert Caspi. 
Are both brother-in-laws to Robin Catsby, yeah. So he's patching him up, and Robert's mother's just like, I don't know why you let him get in a fight with those bullies. And Robin's just like, kid's gotta learn to stand up for himself. Yeah, Robin's like, look, he can get in a fight with this bully. I gotta go to court tomorrow because they keep stealing my stuff because I won't go to their stupid church. Yeah, so his son's like, oh, you're selling shit? And his dad's like, yeah, I gotta stand up for my beliefs. His son doesn't look at him, so his son's grandmother's just like, look at your dad. His son looks at him. Then his son and Tom leave, and Robin turns to his mother, and he's like, my son's scared of me she's like as he should be all sons should fear their father it teaches them better to fear and love the lord this is such a puritan viewpoint yeah i will say my entire knowledge of the puritan religion is based on quakers and dr jonathan kellogg (laughs) dr jonathan kellogg and the scarlet letter so as little as i know about catholicism and protestantism and murdering native americans i know even less about puritan puritanism 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 yeah something like that puritanical beliefs puritanical belief yeah so from there we go to a public court which we start with by seeing that a woman is giving 50 lashes because in an Mm, argument not lashes 50 it was 50 lashes by fist it it didn't say lashes pretty sure they did she's gonna get hit 50 times yeah and her son's gonna get punched 20 times yeah and she's getting hit 50 times because she got an argument and was just like the spaniards are gonna come they're gonna kill the king in the name of god well the way it's portrayed it wasn't even an argument she was the way it's portrayed in this like is that she just erupted suddenly in this tavern like (laughs) she's just sitting in this tavern and she's like you know the spanish are gonna come and like she's not talking to anybody she's just talking out loud in the bar she's like the Spanish are going to come, and it can't come soon enough because this country needs the holy light of the Spanish Empire. And the one true God, and they're going to kill the king, and things are going to be great. And so then they're like, what's the witness say? And the witness is like, Ex- I heard exactly what that guy read from that book right there. Yep. Whatever that whatever that dude said, I heard that. Yeah, and then her son is being hit 20 times because he stole a loaf of bread. Not even a loaf. He stole... Like a slice of bread. A piece of bread. Enough bread that it was worth 10 pennies. I don't know how much bread that is in 1603. Um, Actually, this might be 1604 at this point. Yeah. He stole bread. He's going to get hit. And then we pull out Robert Catsby, or Robin Catsby, Tom Winter, other people. Yeah, a bunch of other people. Who haven't gone to church in a while. None of the other people in the scene end up being conspirators. I know because, like, as they were announcing their names, I was, like, on the Wikipedia being like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. So in this scene, we learn that, well, everyone's getting fine because they haven't gone to church and that Robin Catsby and Tom Winter have not gone to church in, gone to church for in 40 weeks. Yeah. Um, So the crowd gasped because scandal and Robin Catsby's just like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Let's just get through this because the guy's like blathering on and, you know, beating around the bush. He's just like, cut the bullshit. We know why this is, why this is happening. Whatever. Tell me what I have to pay. And so they say the fines. It's like... 8 and 13, whatever monetary value it is, and 13 for K, for 13 for Catsby, 8 for Winter, and Tom is just like, jeez, that's outrageous. That's not at all what it is, and again, the judges are like, so, by writ of the king, we can do whatever we want. So, it is outrageous. I just did some number crunching via yeah. the internet. Um, thank you to the University of Wyoming for, for providing this calculator, but... Five pounds sterling. Yes. In 1605. Oh, sorry. Tom Winter's fine was five pounds sterling. They both get fined five pounds sterling. Oh, yeah. Five additional on top of what it was. But they, but. At the end, Robin Robert. already owned, already owed eight and Thomas already owed three. So, so it does th- end up being 13 and eight. Yeah. By the end of this trial. So five pounds sterling is in today money. How much do you think? If you had a guess. 20,000 and like 
15 20,000 and then so roughly $1,569 you're way off but like that's I still mean, a wild amount that's like the top end of I didn't wear my seatbelt ticket eh. which means Robin owes $4,081 right now just because he hasn't been to church yeah so wild so robert explodes about how this is bullshit the only person who really has the right to judge him is god he won't bow to the king the king is just a man blah 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 blah. judges erupt and throw them in jail throw them in jail specifically until their fines are paid yes because their fines are in arrears and because their fines are ridiculously high and like yeah so right after this scene we see robin's cousin and vo approach the main judge and she has the money and she's like here you go you can let them go now and he's like Ah, but maybe not. We're thinking what, what about they, what, charging them with contempt. Well, not con- not contempt, sedition. No, sedition. he says contempt. Oh. Contempt of court. I thought he, was, I thought he said sed- nope. sedation. It, it's contempt because they made an outrage in court. Okay. Because he calls it a like public spectacle. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And she's like, so they're not charged yet? And he goes, not yet. And then she's like, well, according to law, you cannot hold any free man... Without charge. Without charge. And he's like, well, I can't. And the mo- he goes to say something, she's like, I will sue you. I will bring legal action against you. There are still laws in this country that will see that will that will see you see, pay for your crimes. Yeah, that will see men as you pay for your crimes. It should be noted that Thomas is a lawyer, so yeah. So uh, he takes the money, and then we cut to outside where we see Tom and Robert walking out, and they're just like, "Man, prison sucks." I will say. Watching a historical drama is much more entertaining when I don't know, like, all the information that happens in the historical drama. Because, like, when he took the money, I was like, ah, yeah, he's just going to take the money and then be like, sucks to be you. She never paid me. I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. There are about. no witnesses around as they're doing this. This this woman is hysterical. She She's obviously mad with the inability to have child. Wait, so we're going to put it in the Tower of London, right? I mean, I don't think they go to the Tower of London, but like... Ah, uh, you're right. It's still the early 17th century. Give it some time. She'll go there in a few centuries. I think like the 18th, in like the 1800s to the 19th century. Uh, I 100% thought that was that's what he was going to do. Like, the, yeah. By the so, way, his name was Sir Joseph. So Rob is talking to Tommy. She's like, I can't stand this anymore, man. Next time we go to prison, we need a petition to get a much better cell. That is Tom. Tom's like <laughs> joking about it. And Rob's just like, look, man... I can't, I can't take this anymore. My name is in disgrace. People talk bad about me. They spit in my general direction. I have no money. I'm in debt. I'm worried about my property and stuff. I don't want to be a prisoner ever again. Yeah. And then they Anne shows up. They meet up with Anvo. Mm-hmm. And, and Anne's like, he wants to talk to you. Thomas says, look, you can go talk to him. Go to London. I'll be with your son. I'll let, let him, him know. know you're free. And I like how she doesn't specify who wants to talk to him because obviously any of Cecil's a spill spies could be around. And obviously she's talking about Father Garnet wants to see. Mm-hmm. God, I hate that his name is Garnet. I keep thinking Crystal Gems. So I- do I, but I love it. I hate it. I ugh, I know because you don't like Steven Universe because you're weird. It's be- no, it's not because I'm weird. It's because the first season's garbage. Yeah, and I, I can't know. get through it. Yeah, I know. Literally, like the last episode of the first season is when plot kicks in. Steven Universe had to do this thing that a lot of shows had to do, where they're just like, "Look, we're a cartoon. Kids love us." And they're like, "Good, we build up a children fan base. You can't cancel us now, Cartoon Network. Plot and agenda." I mean, too bad that didn't work for Owl House. That makes me sad. It just doesn't fit our image right now. What the fuck is your image, Disney? <laughs> Their image is not gay witches. Apparently, that's not the issue. No, that that's completely the issue. I mean... It's Disney. Yeah. What do you think the issue is? I mean, supposedly, the creator got a lot of support, like, from the board and stuff, and they were doing it, but uh-huh. I wouldn't be surprised if they fucking backpedal on that shit. Their, their image is insane witches who create children out of the fabric of nothing, not gay witches. 
Yeah. So then we see our Mr. Turner. If you haven't watched Owl House, go watch Owl House. It's so good. I've talked about it before. Uh, it's on Disney+. It. Plus. It's fantastic. The first season is complete on Disney+. Plus. We're like halfway through season two on Disney+. Plus. Should hopefully be getting the last half of that season soon. And I believe we have one more. But anyways, so we see Mr. Turner in Flanders. And he's taking this letter to some people. And they're just like, they're looking at him like, I'm sorry, he's still a captain. He hasn't lost his rank. Which is weird. But so they're just like, Yeah, we don't we don't know this Stanley guy. What yeah. are you talking about? We yeah. know nothing about what you're talking about. And he's like, Garnet sent me and they're like, We don't know Garnet either. What the fuck he, are you talking Garnet's about? Garnet's a well respected Catholic priest. You definitely know him. They're just like, nah, man. What makes you think we're Catholic? Yeah. So they send him away and He's walking around outside, and he's just like, fuck. And so he sends a letter to Cecil, and Cecil gets the letter. His spymaster opens it, looks at it, and gives it to Cecil. And Cecil's just like, well, fuck, this isn't the news I wanted. Yeah. And then he looks at the uh, spymaster, and she's like, give me the original. And then we cut to him in the palace talking to Philip. And he's like, I, I just got this correspondence from one of my spell, and... One of my most trusted. And it details the plot to essentially murder the king by the Catholic rebels that are in our country. Yeah. Before he basically blatantly states this, he does talk to Philip and he's like, oh, you're going hunting again. And Philip's just like, yeah, I love hunting. I love dogs. I love sport. It's all great. There's nothing I love more than those. And then he's just like, not even the king. Philip's like, of course I love the king. And he's like, Nobody loves the, the king, king more, more than I like, do. I've heard. And the king greatly enjoys your company and basically, basically everything in your manly Yeah, basically Cecil sitting here exploits. like, wink, winking, wink, wink, wink. I know you're gay with the king. Wink, wink, wink. Also, this scene is important because every other scene we see Cecil in in these two episodes, he's like got his neck crooked to the left. It is like constantly touching his shoulder. Like his shoulder is like pulled it, up a bit. It kind of looks like somebody broke his neck at one point. He's also it, wearing a half cape over his left arm at like all points in time. And it kind of looks like he broke his neck at some point and it never healed back right. But in this one scene, he's got his like neck fully straightened up. And I don't know if this is like Cecil has an affectation that he tries to portray when he's in spy master mode or if he's um no he even does it when he's like talking to the king in the king's bedroom i don't so, know what the fuck is up so i think there's two possible theories here that that is the thing that was apparently actually wrong with the actual robert cecil and the actor just didn't have that expectation during this scene for some reason or the other idea that i have is that it is an expectation to imply a general weakness so people underestimate him which is why he does it around people he needs to kind of but underestimate like, him like say the king but like how does that work in this case because like because philip's already seen him like my my shoulder is touching my ear because philip legitimately in like one line in this scene proves he's a himbo he doesn't remember this previous interaction he's just here to have fun <laughs> And fuck the king. Sir Philip is a himbo. Yeah, 100%. And Philip's like, oh my god, a plot to kill the king. Have you, told, have you told him yet? And Cecil's like, he won't listen to me. He, he only, only li listens to his Scottish friends. But he also listens to you, even though you're not Scottish. And Philip is like, by damn, you're right. I have to go talk to the king. I have to convince him that this threat is real. You showed me is no proof other than a folded up letter. But I believe you. That is you. in cipher because he brought the ciphered letter. I believe you. Yeah. So then we cut back to Robert Catsby. And he is meeting up with Garnet in a poor part of London. And she kind of just starts the conversation off with like, man, I have fucking nothing. I have no money. I'm in debt. My house is shit. I don't have any property. Honestly, the only thing I have left is the love of my great cousin. Honestly, Kit Harrington's performance in this show. It's fantastic. Just top tier. He does a great job. He's got great lines too. Like yeah. in this scene, he's got this awesome line. He's 
He's talking to Garnet and he's like, look, we have to do something. We th- we can't just let them kill us and not do anything about it. I, I, I have that line further down, I think, the one you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Go ahead. I'll let you take it then. So he's complaining about how he's like nothing but like the love of his cousin. And Garnet's just like, you have a son, man. And, he, and Robert's just like, you mean the thing that killed my killed the love of my life? He doesn't say it like that. But it's basically that same like vibe. It's just like, oh, no, he, he says it exactly like that. He's like, he doesn't he, say thing. He doesn't refer to his son as thing. But he's like, yeah, no, he doesn't. He re- killed the he love of my life. He doesn't refer to his son as the orange rock man from the Fantastic Four. I'd be cool with having been grim as a son. Would you not be cool with having been grim as a son? I would be very uncool with having been grim as my son. Not because of any reason that you're thinking of, but because A, I don't want children, and two, could you imagine trying to find clothes to fit Ben Grimm? If he's your son, you have to take care of him and get clothes. He just wears stretchy pants. No, you didn't say Richard still existed. Richard's made the stretchy pants. I don't have stretchy pants. I'm in real life, Justice. Buy a tarp, cut a print, sew it together. That's all he gets to wear. He's going to get made fun of in school all the time. He's already going to get made fun of. He's a giant rock monster. Also, we've seen him without pants on in the comic. He doesn't have genitals anymore. (laughs) This is the weirdest tangent. It's my fault. (laughs) So Garnet says, yo, don't, don't blame your son. Like, don't hate like that. And Catherine replies that all he has left is anger and hate. He has no room for love or anything, especially with what's going on. And Father Garnet's just like, look, man, we have people in the courts, like, try and help us out on our side and everything. And then he's like, how's that gone? Any luck? But no, who would have guessed? So this is where he starts talking. And he's like, the king hasn't been moved by what we've done yet, but perhaps he'll be moved by tumult. God. And Garnet replies... Such a great word. Tumult. Yeah. And Garnet tells him not to listen to the desperate men who will lead him to tumult. Yeah. And he's like, but father, I am... <laughs> it's it's the clown joke. His reply is, I am a desperate man. Can you not see? It's literally the, the doctor. I am the great pa- Pancla... Whatever. Paglacini? Paglacini, yeah. I am... But, but doctor, I am the great pa- Paglacini. It's literally that joke. Yeah. So from there, we just have a shot of Garnet watching him leave from his window, and then we're following Catsby down the road, and then we go from looking at Catsby's face to where he's looking, and he's just staring at the Parliament building. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to Catsby meeting up with Thomas Wintour mm-hmm. and a man named Jack Wright in a pub slash inn across from Parliament. Yes, and he's like that building where Parliament's going to be held, where they're going to pass more laws to restrict the Catholic faith. Where they've done all their mischievousness against us. That's where we need a strike. Yes. Perhaps God put it there for a reason. Then we cut from this to... We have King James putting on a leather curious, and we see some Parliament members arguing about how Catholics should be handled. Here we have Lord Northumberland being like, but I, I have, have Catholics, Catholics working for me and yeah. some, you know, I know some peeps. It's, they're, they're chill, man. They're going to do whatever. And others are arguing against it. And so King James comes in and he's just like, we should suppress them even more. There are evildoers amongst us and we must do what we can to stop their plans. Look, they're trying to kill me. We have to stop them. And then Lord Northumberland's like, Spain won't like that. To which one of the other council members says, this is England. Our laws are not to do with Spain. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly the type of thing that Cecil loves to hear. But while they're arguing about whether or not they should crack down on Catholics, in Flanders, Catholics are arguing about whether or not they should stick a knife into Captain Turner. Oh, they're not arguing. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy from before grabs Captain Turner when he's like buying candles and leads him down an alley. And Captain Turner's like, cool, I'm going to meet Stanley. And then instead he meets a bald man with a bushy beard and a mustache. He's like, you're not Stanley. And the guy's like, no, no, I'm not. What do you know about Stanley? He's like, I just want to join the cause. And the guy's like, what cause? What cause do you know of? 
And then stabs him. Yeah. And this is our introduction to Guy Fox. Yep. You know, the only famous one from this plot. Yes. And that is the end of episode one. That is the end of episode one. What are your thoughts on episode one? I love the pacing. Pacing Every, like, is great in the show. The show feels very fluid. It doesn't feel like I'm jumping from one spot to another unnecessarily. And when they do shortcuts, it's to add tension and it's done well. And they don't really, really do a lot of shortcuts. The shortest no. cuts are like... Here at the end, because we technically see the we see King James, and then we see the end, and then we see him talking, being led to the alley, and briefly talking to Fox, and then we're back in the end where they're talking about striking Parliament, and then we're back to the alley where he then gets stabbed. Where he stabs and then whispers his name, Guy Fox, into the man's Yes, yeah, so there's a few shortcuts there, but they're done well because they're adding tension because we have this secret meeting and we have this government meeting where we're talking about the future of this country additionally and then we have this secret meeting in an alley with a spy additionally kit harrington is the only actor's name i know from the show but all of the acting in the show is just very well done and very well delivered i know and though it's Liv taylor mm. and Dor- that's and, the only other one i know and dorothy's line deliveries are just fucking amazing like she sells it God, she's very true. She's great for the 15 minutes she's on screen. Also, actually, not even 15 minutes. She's probably on screen for a total of four minutes. Also, I love the line deliveries from both Wade Williams and Robert Cecil's characters, actors. Like, their line deliveries are fantastic. Yep. This show is very good. Justice, what do you think? You want to watch episode two? I, I want to watch episode two. I do want to watch episode two. It feels like it's been a while since I've said I wanted to watch the next episode of what we were reviewing. Yep. So, I episode- think I said I wanted to watch the next episode of Surreal Estate. But not like I wasn't excited. I was actually, I legitimately really wanted to watch episode two of this. Yeah. So we start with episode two and it opens with a recap. Previously on. And then we have Tom and Robin meeting with the Constable of Castile. So if you want the previously on, go back to where we just ended. Listen to it all up again to here and then just don't repeat that. Or actually keep repeating that. Repeat ad infinitum. Yeah. Until your director tells you to move on. Yeah, for this episode, you do need someone sitting there before you, telling you when you're going to repeat, and then showing you when we're going to finish and continue on. If you do not, I suggest now you pause the player, go find someone to do this for you. Do make them aware they're going to be here for roughly 40-ish to minutes to an hour. I'm not sure how long we've been recording up until this point or how long it's going to be after editing. Do inform them of that, of that time. We don't want to involve anyone too long if they're a bit busy, but you will need them to continue this episode. Make sure they have a directing baton so that they can direct you in when to crescendo and decrescendo properly, as well as to remind you when you need to loop back to the beginning. Yes. And of course, when to direct your uh, obviously rather rambunctious reactions to what we've said so far. That way you can forte at the right times and when you should quiet down to understand the suspense of what's going on. You really need to hit those PNAS modes and fortissimos there. It really adds a whole range to the listening experience. This has been a deep cut band joke. I don't think we've ever done one of these. <laughs> okay. Um. So Thomas and Robin are meeting with the constable of Castile. Mm-hmm. Um. They're, in ple- Spain. they're pleading for the support of this of the Spanish church in Spain to help them with, you know, being persecuted and murdered. Yeah, so the constable's just like, well, what is it that you want me to help with? What do you intend to do? And Caspi's just like, oh, I'm going to kill the king and all the fucking nobles. I'm going to take all the important people in England. And murder them. Put them in one building and murder them. So the constable's just like, well, what do you need from us? Men, weaponry, horses. Basically, after I murder them, we're going to need, like, somebody to impose authority. So if you could just sweep in with an army, that'd be really cool. Yeah, and the constable's like, well, you know, kings are appointed by God. And Tom's replies, no, 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 King James, he's a fake and a tyrant. And then the constable's 
assistant is like, it is only God's duty to remove or, or place kings. And then Robin's like, but what if, and hear me out, God is using us to remove the king. Yeah. A? And the constable's just like, look, man, there's a, this treaty between England and Spain, it's going to end all of that. But I'll think upon it. And then Catsby's just like, look, if you've seen the shit I've seen, you wouldn't weep in sorrow or like lament. You would draw your sword and you would fight back. And then they're kind of just ushered away. Yep. While this is going on, Wade goes to Cecil because he has heard news that Catsby, Thomas Wintour, and Jack Wright were seen together. Mm-hmm. Which I guess, I guess it's just like Robin Catsby is on like the Secretary of State's like top 10 potential terrorists list. If there was a do not fly list, Robert Catsby would be on it. Yeah. Like he's, he's otherwise, why is this significant? You're like, oh, hey, Robert Catsby met with his brother-in-law and a former mercenary. Yeah. Why is this suspicious? So we do know, of course, that from the beginning of this, though, that Cecil has something against Catsby because he wanted to know that he got that Cecil got him from the very beginning of the episode of episode one. And just a background thing that isn't mentioned in the show at all. Jack Wright was apparently, um, you know, kind of treasonous before this. Yeah, he was part of a rebellion before this. That rebellion didn't go so well, but him and his brother were both part of it, and they both got away without getting, you know, hung for treason. Yeah. Or quartered for treason, or drawn for treason. Or crushed for treason, or beheaded for treason. Yeah, they they, they got away without um dying, is what I'm saying. Yeah, so Cecil asks where all three of them are, and Wade replies, well, Jack Wright went to Yorkshire, and uh, no one knows where Robert or Tom have gone. And Cecil's just like, okay, well, I want people watching the ports, I want people just looking out for them. When they find them, make sure they're followed, and let me know everything. And then we cut to Robin Caspi's home. Mm-hmm. Where his cousin, Enavo, is tutoring his child, Robert. In Latin. And at this point, Cecil literally forces his way in. Like, yes. He's not shown in by any, like, servants or, like, knocks or anything. He just storms into the building. He and his own servant come in. And, like, the first thing he does is mock the barren house. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, look at this, Robert. Your father's going to leave you so much. Yeah. Aren't you proud to inherit this? So Robin's mother's just like, get the fuck out of my house. And he kind of just like sizes her up. And then Envo just like kind of steps between them. And yep. Robin's mother leaves. Yep. So then Cecil and Anna have a talk, which turns into more Cecil interrogating Anna about the location of her yep. cousin. They're sitting down by a window, drinking wine, talking, while Robert, the young Robert, is playing Tin Pin, I think is the correct name for the, uh, you know, yeah, bowling. bowling. Bowling doesn't exist yet. So he's playing Tin Pin along with... Cecil's servant. Yep. And then Cecil finishes his glass of wine, and Anna hasn't been responsive to his interrogation attempts. And he's like, I mean, she's been responsive, just not positively responsive. Uh, She's denigrated his job position and his overall aspect in life. Yeah, and called him a dark individual and a corrupt person. Effectively just a monster. And basically said, hey, fuck you. Get out of my house. I'm not telling you anything. And he's like, you know what? This wine was really good. I'd, I'd really appreciate another glass. So she gets up to go get more. And the moment she leaves the room, he turns to his servant and is like, go get ready my horse. No, go get go get go get the horses ready. Yes. So he's left alone with the young Robert Catsby. And he's like, when is your dad getting back from Brussels? Flanders and Brussels. And Robert's like, my dad's not in Brussels, dude. And Cecil's like, I know he's in Brussels. When is he getting back? He's like, no, my dad's in Spain, bruh. 
And then we cut to them outside in their horses, taking off in a bit of a hurry. For some reason, I don't know why. Weird, right? But anyways, back in Spain, Thomas and Robin are summoned by the Duke. We didn't mention it earlier because we didn't know earlier. But the the person they're meeting with is Duke Don Juan Fernandez de Velasco, Constable of Castile. Yeah, that, 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 all of that, what he said. And they're summoned by the Duke to watch the execution of two non-Catholic, uh, what's, heretics. I mean, Jew. Yeah, they're burning two Jewish people Mm -hmm. at stakes. Because as the Duke's assistant puts it, this is what Spain is willing to do to protect the faith here in Spain. Imagine what they're willing to do to protect the faith in England. Yes. And that's essentially the scene. Robert and Thomas kind of like leave after a few minutes. They're like, well, well, we didn't come here to watch people die. Well, directly after that, while he says, imagine, like, basically imagine what we would do to protect the faith in Spain. He says that Spain can't support their plan. Mm-hmm. And that they would rather, they effectively, he states, well, we'd rather have a Protestant king we can negotiate with than a king that we can't. Yep. So Catsby and Tom leave. And when they leave, they go around the corner, essentially, and they Mm. have a private conversation. And Robin's like, we were wrong to even seek out the aid of foreign princes. They were never going to help us. We have to rouse our countrymen. This is an English problem, and it needs to be settled by English men. Yes. So then we see William Sir William Wade walking down the hallway, and he walks into like a nice little room for the Secretary of State. It's like the Spymaster headquarters. Yes, and he delivers a letter to Cecil, a letter from Don Juan Fernandez de Velasco Constable of Castile. Going to Charles de Ligne. Who is currently in London. Mm-hmm. And is, I guess, the Spanish representative for the treaties at this yes. point? So the spies have intercepted this letter, and Cecil wants his spymaster assistant to break the cipher. Yep. I will say, it's really weird that um, Wade is the only one that ever delivers him anything. Right. Like, Wade's always like, I have this. It's never like anybody else coming in being like, sir. I think he's just standing at the door and bitch slaps anyone who tries to get in there. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm earning all these fucking brownie points. I have something for you. A low-level Espiel comes up and he's like, I have this letter for Cecil. And Wade's Is it good like, news? And Wade's like, Absolutely. It's good news. Smack mine. And then whenever it's bad news, he's just like, so is it bad? Uh, it's not great. Go ahead. Go on he's in. like, so is it good news? Uh, unfortunately not, sir. And Wade's like, that sucks for you, man. Like, here's the door. Go ahead You and in. me, pint after work? <laughs> yeah. Commiserate over how horrible your day has been? So then Thomas and Robin head to Brussels from Spain. Mm-hmm. To meet with Stanley because Englishmen need to solve Englishmen problems. Yes. And... They're also led into the exact same alley that Captain Turner was stabbed in. And again, at the end of the alley is Guy Fox. Yep. And Kid Harrington, sorry, Catsby, is like, "Mm, no, I said I'm only going to talk to Stanley. That's not Stanley. Where the fuck is Stanley? And then Stanley appears behind him and he's like, you look just like your father. Ma ha 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 ha. I see so much of your father in you. And so they go off to talk. Yeah. Oh, also the guy that Cecil gives the letter to to decrypt his name, Master Alford. I just called him my master beep. I even noted to Josh out loud that I knew his name, but I didn't give enough fucks. So Stanley and Robin go to speak in private. Mm Mm-hmm about this idea that that robin has to To end the oppression of catholics and robin's like yeah so this is my plan we're gonna blow up parliament with parliament all in there Mm -hmm. and with the king and all of his important people we're just gonna blow it up and stanley's like that's cool do you trust tom and robert's like yeah with my life cool cool you are gonna need more men though uh first off that guy outside fucking great with explosives guy fox yeah he does building architecture and explosives that dude he's your dude and and robert's just like i'm not so sure he doesn't talk much that's one of the great things about him if he gets caught he's not gonna talk wink wink nudge nudge 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because he does get caught eventually. And he does tell them about the co-conspirators. That is history for you. So essentially what you're saying is Stanley is the one that, that ruined the gunpowder plot. Yes. He was like... He misled them about the quality of one of the people they hired. He was like, look, this dude's never going to betray you. This dude betrays you. Yeah. So they just talk about getting more people, basically. And Stanley tells Robert that, okay, this is all cool, but you're going to need to do this very, very fast because there are so many spies and we only have a certain amount of time. Basically, get this done as fast as possible. Yes. So we then cut to the king. With... Well, we cut to Allford. Oh, yeah. He, he deciphered the code. Cecil is happy that it's been finished. And then we go to Parliament because technically I think we're following Cecil there in storyline well, method. It's not Parliament. This is just... It's not Parliament building. It's a meeting of like the count of the council of people. Yeah, it's not It's not that meeting of Parliament. It's a meeting of the king and his peers. Uh, yeah. His, his closest people. His associates, his... Um, Secretaries of State. Like, yeah. And Cecil's like, hey, look, I got this. Well, he doesn't actually tell the king anything. He yeah, says, no. At, at first, we have Lord Northumberland. He's being like, look, if we tighten laws like you're talking about, we need to do. It's only going to cause problems with Spain. We're going to have so many fucking problems. And the other ones are arguing. like, And then Cecil interrupts me. He's like, look, I have very good information. We can push these laws through. Spain would rather have peace than worry about the Catholics here. Well, actually, Cecil doesn't cut in until after the king cuts off a guy who's basically saying Spain won't care. The king cuts in. He's like, look. What we need is peace. We don't have a lot of money left. Yeah. The treasury, both our treasury and Spain's treasuries are running dry. This war has to end. Yeah. And then Cecil cuts in and he says, God demands true religion and that while Spain may not be happy, they will sign out of self-interest in commerce rather than any interest in the English papists. And then the king's like, cool story, bro. Bet. I'll do it. I'm going to take your word. And if you're wrong, I'm going to be very, very angry with you. Yeah. So then we cut to a man we haven't seen in a bit. Father John Gerard. And Father Garner. And Father John Gerard is reading out a proclamation that the king had that's basically just like, fuck Catholics, I'm gonna start murdering them. Fuck Catholics, when Parliament meets, we're gonna just make it illegal to be a Catholic in England. You will be a capital enemy to the crown. Yeah, all Catholics will be capital enemies, punishable by death if they're in England. Yeah, and, and Garnet's replies basically they're just like, that sucks, you know what we can do to fight it though? Wait and pray. And Gerard's like, you're a stupid fucking coward, ain't you? You're trapped in here with everything you need to survive. You have wine, you have good food, you want for nothing. Well, people outside are dying. Ba- I see it. I am out there. You're in here, safe, hidden away. And basically, Father Gerard's like, look, you're a coward. Robin Catsby is right. I'm going to go join him and his boys. Yeah. So he leaves, and then Anne proceeds to tell Father Garnet that he isn't a coward, and that while he hides, he <laughs> does this to survive as because a flame he... that others can gather around to keep the faith alive. Because without him, the, the, the faith will die, which um, I don't think... If that is how it works, I'm really said nobody killed him sooner. Yeah, no. I'm not, this... I'm not saying Catholicism is bad, but... So he's like, I wish I was as steadfast as you. And she's like, I'm not steadfast. He's like, yes, you are. And she's like, I'm only steadfast sometimes. Other times I'm not. I have the heart of a woman, basically. And this entire scene is just like, was Sir Wade right? D- does does she fuck the priest? That yeah, I, I, I kept being like, hmm, so this is an HBO show. I was wondering when we'd get to the fucking. Right? Like, it very much feels like that. That's like, it. Oh. No fucking. Yeah, no, we go back to King James. Uh, well, we actually, yeah, we go to Don Juan Fernandez de Velisco and King James having a meeting to discuss the treaty. Yeah. And Fernandez is like, look, the, these new laws that you plan on implementing, this proclamation you made. It doesn't make the spanish king happy he's very upset with it you have five days to retract it or i'm heading back to spain and your treaty is dead yeah 
Like so, at first when he mentions it, King James is like, eh, it's none of Spain's business. And then Castile's like, may not be my business, but I'm gone in five days if those laws aren't gone. Yeah. King James is specifically like, I don't know why our good and righteous laws have anything to do with foreign nationals. And Fernandez is like, you know, you're right. They don't. But if you don't go back on that, I'm gone in five days. And that's the end of the treaty discussions. Yeah. So now we're back with Robin Catsby and he's in a private room in the bar that they're constantly in. And he is introducing himself to people. And affirming his faith in God and the Catholic Church and his willingness to die. Essentially, this is the scene where we get an introduction to the, to the majority of the plot conspirators, mm-hmm. and they're all swearing their allegiance to the yeah. to the plot and to each other. So here we get reintroduced, I guess, to Tom Wintour, Jack yep. Wright, and we meet for the first time Thomas Percy. And then, after all those guys are introduced, we're led to the last man who needs to swear his oath, and it is Guy Fox. But he introduces himself as John Johnson, as he has used many names. And this is his most recent one. Yes. And when he's asked us why, he's like, I've sworn to God many times. He knows now what I am willing to do. And Caspi's just like, look, I don't care if you've sworn to God. I need to hear it. I need to hear it. This is, we're all in this together. And then John Johnson turns to Caspi and he's like, fine. I swear the same thing you did for the same reasons you did. Is that good enough? And then Caspi turns to the door. And at first I thought he was leaving, but he opens the door and in walks Father Gerard. And he's like, you will all know Father Gerard. He is a pivotal member of the faith in england he is here to assist us so he lays a bible on the table they all put their bibles on it and say a blessing to jesus he lays a bible on the table and they put they all put their bibles on it he puts a bible on the table and they all put their hands on it and they say a blessing to jesus yes then we have another media of king james and his inner circle his his aide de comps and his secretaries and the king is like look cecil you promised me that i could have my cake and eat it too we're gonna have my cake and eat it too we're gonna get both this treaty with spain and we're gonna push these laws through to kill all the catholics if we don't you're not gonna have a job anymore i won't need you yep and that's the end of that scene essentially so then we see cecil talking with wade and he's complaining that that the uh constable de castile bested him oh i was really confused by this scene because they don't say constable castile for like the entire scene he's like Wade, could you get me a meeting with the constable? Yeah. And Wade's like, it would put me in a really awkward position if I was seen doing this. And oh, I think that's just because you didn't. I guess you probably glanced over the fact that the first thing they're doing is talking about the letter. Okay. And when they're talking about it, because he explains to Wade that he's in a bad position with the king right now. Yes, like, I remember How? This. And he's like, oh, I was tricked. He did this to get it over on me. Yes, I got that. So. But then, like, they jumped that, to talking about a constable. And I was like, yeah. I forgot he was, because, like, he's oh, now yeah, been introduced yeah. as a duke. And I forgot, like. And they're he just was calling also him a constable con- of Castile, and he is the one that sent the letter. So, and they're just calling him constable, and I'm like, yeah. Why do we? Why are we getting the police involved? And why can't you talk to the police? Yeah. So he has Wade arrange a meeting with the constable. And yeah. Wade apparently Basically, has- I was stupid. Yeah. And so Wade apparently successfully does that because our next scene is him meeting with him, and he essentially is like, "Look, we need to keep those laws. We have to keep those laws." And the constable's like, "Nah, man." And then Cecil's like, look, I have an offer that you're not going to be able to refuse. I guarantee that you'll have open waters in England. Well, yeah, that was already going to be a thing, like trade. No, 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 no. Entirely open waters, like warships well, he's, in he, English he, harbors. He, he's not just open waters. He's like, look, in addition... To everything else <laughs> in the treaty. Yeah, in addition to everything else... Besides the laws. We'll give you access to our port cities so that your ships can refuel, refix their cells, their cells, restock supplies. And the Duke is like... 
for our merchantmen. And Cecil goes, warships too. And the constable's just like, we've asked that many times and it have been denied. He's just like, how can you assure us? And the constable, not the constable, Cecil's just like, well, I may not be in great standing with the king right now, but if you gave me something good, I could definitely get this done. And he's like, what do we need to give you for this? And something he, and Cecil goes, substantial. I need you to, to denounce the Catholics of England. Say that you're no longer the protector of them, that they are none of your business. Denounce them. And that's kind of where the scene ends. The Duke doesn't really agree to this yet. Yeah. But that's the trade that's up mm-hmm. in the air. So we cut to Robin Catsby. He's sitting by a river with a locket of his wife. Just kind of like, man, I miss my wife. And then Tom shows up. He's with- doing he's doing the thing that Kit Harrington is very good at doing. Being that emo boy. Yeah, he's doing birdie stuff. Yeah. And then Tom shows up with a man named Digby. Sir Everett Digby. And he is willing to help them. Digby has 50 minutes at his disposal. Tom has 30. And another one of their contacts has 20 minutes at their They go through a bunch of names here. Yeah, they, they, have, the... they have several guys and they have a bunch of men. So as they're talking about the men, Digby specifically mentions that Robert Winter, Thomas's brother, has another 30 for them. Yes. And that Robert Keyes, John Grant, and Ambrose Rock- Rookwood also all have 20 men each. And so do John and Christopher Wright. Yes. No, wait, not John and Christopher Wright. Yeah, that was right the first time. It's just Ambrose Rookwood, John Grant, and Robert Keyes each have 20 more men. So then Digby asks what the plan is. And Captain's just like, so we're going to overthrow the king and all the nobles. And then we're going to put the king's daughter on the throne and have Lord Northumberland act as Lord Protector. And Digby's like, we have Lord Northumberland. North Northumberland on our side and Tom is like Percy is his kin and he assures us that once we strike Lord Northumberland will pick up his sword and you know it makes sense based on what we've seen in Northumberland like it feels like he would step in because he's against these crackdowns on the, on the yes. Catholic he is our pro-papist man in the king's court yep and then we learn that this plan should be enacted by Tuesday next which means we have a maximum of a week because it is now Tuesday and Tuesday next would be next week. Which also means these two episodes have covered two years of time. Yeah. Because the first part of the first episode when Wade takes Dorothy and Father Daniel Smith is in 1603, but the plot to bomb Parliament is 1605. But it does make sense when you take into fact that they went to Spain and came back from Spain. Yeah. They went to Flanders and came back from Flanders. I, I, I just... There's not a lot of, like, cuts to show us what's, what year or what time it is. So, like, it's right. It definitely is feels right because of, like, when you start thinking about the journeys. It just feels very fast because we don't sit there for the journey every fucking time. Which yep. is fine by me. Yeah, 100%. So, from there, we see Catsby at his home and he walks into a room, watches his son sleep. And then he steps into the room and awakes his son and asks him, who, who told f- him he could sleep in this bed? Who the bed? fuck said you could sleep in this bed? And he's just like, Grandma. And he's like, what the fuck? She had no right to do that. That's the bed that my wife died in, that your mother died in when she was giving birth to you. And his son's just like, I'm sorry. And then Kate- his, his son isn't like, it just isn't like, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I, I never meant any harm. Forgive me. And then Kate's be like, goes Breaks to his down. knees and he's just like, look, I'm sorry. I'm a shooty dad. I've been really fucking horrible. I just want you to know. That everything I've done is to like make sure you're happy and you're safe. And I want you to keep that in mind in the coming days. And his son's just like, I forgive you. Um, that's basically into that scene. And then Catesby leaves home. Yeah. The, the next morning. scene, Catesby leaves home in the it's morning. It's a long extended like a minute and a half him leaving home. That's it. Nothing happens. He just leaves home. And then we cut to Philip and King James and they're discussing the gathering of parliament. There's not really a lot to this scene, but no, the scene is used to set up the next scene, which yeah. is... A uh, pan down through the ground. Yeah. In, in that scene, James is establishing that all of the parliament members will be there. Many nobles will be there. And he'll show them all what it's like for a king to rule. Also, this is the most blatant scene of suggesting that King James and Philip are a homosexual pairing because the end of the, yes. the end of the scene before you pan down into the ground is King James pulling Philip onto his lap. 
Mm-hmm. Underneath them, though, John Johnson and Tom Percy are, are negotiating to rent the space under the Parliament Building for storage Negotiating purposes. is a very strong term. Um, they, they strong-arm this woman, and Tom Percy's like, look. Yeah, she's like, look, my brother-in-law has a very successful coal thing. He needs to get into space. And Percy's like, here's this money. Here's the inconvenience tax. And then he's like, look, Northumberland needs this. And are you going to tell me that a member of the royal peerage is less important than your brother-in-law? Yeah. And she's like, uh, thanks for the money. Yeah. So then we go back to the bar slash inn that, the, that we keep going to when mm-hmm. the plotters are plotting. So like four people conspicuously walk upstairs and we see a guy drinking downstairs. Take note of it. Look, I don't want to say like, obviously this is a TV show, but obviously this is a TV show because they're all wearing like dark cloaks and hats dark down hats over their faces and hats pulled down over their face. And they're walking in a group despite the fact that they're trying to be conspicuous and not draw attention. Yeah. But so the one guy recognizes Catsby and Tom, Tom and John Wright, mm-hmm. Jack he, Wright, Jack Wright. And he goes to tell Cecil and Wade. Yes. And he gets there and he's like, look, I, I just saw Catsby, Wright and Wintour. They're at this bar. They just went upstairs. They're still there. And Cecil's like, oh, they're still there. We need to go. And this guy's getting pulled off by guards. And he's like, I was told I would be paid. And Cecil looks at him and goes, pay him half right. And then they just storm off. Yeah. So then we cut to our plotty peeps talking about their plot. Which involves a bunch of gunpowder being put underneath the parliament. Mm-hmm. Catsby's like, we need three something kegs. 300, Three, kilogra- 300 kilograms of powder. And then Fox is like, 400 just to be safe. Yeah. Just to make sure we blow the entire lid off the entire yeah. thing. So then they talk about how long it's take them to get into places. Mm-hmm. And they are telling Percy he needs to talk to the merchants. And then we see our... Inquisitor peeps show up outside. They also talk about whether or not Lord Northumberland will actually support them or not. There's a bit of debate about this, but Percy's like, look, there's no debate. He's... We're kin. It's gonna happen. He's family. He supports, if not directly supports Catholicism, is an actual supporter of it as far as, like, peerage goes. Yeah. So, Wade and his men show up, and they show up and go inside the bar just as Tom... Catsby. Just as Tom, Catsby, and Fox end up downstairs after having the father, Gerard, Jared, sit at a table by himself, just like chilling for the night. Yep. So Wade and his men draw their weapons, and Fox is sitting down on a bench pretending to not know the other two, mm-hmm. and acts a bit drunkenly. So the moment they pull their swords and approach on uh, Winter and Catsby, he stabs a man in the gut. No, no, no. He doesn't stab a guy in the gut till Wade says... Get them. Get them. And then he stabs a man in the gut. Yeah. And then he immediately just murders a man. Yeah. Like I said, Fox's entire solution to problems is, does my knife reach far enough into their body? Yeah. So they tell Father Jared to run. And then while Fox is fighting off Wade's men, he tells Tom and Catesby to run. Catesby gets hurt here. Yes. He's in a brief bit of a sword duel with Wade and gets cut in the stomach. So Fox tells Tom to take him and go. And then Fox murders another man. And then busts Wade's face open and bells while his men help him because he stumbles backwards. Yes. So then we see Father Jared running through the streets trying to avoid people. But, well, it's a show. So, of course, he eventually gets caught. Yep. And he's just like, I don't fear you. And Sir William Wade's just like, you'll learn to. Yep. So he captures Gerard and... Then we cut to Garnet, Father Garnet and Anne reading. And there's two people stumbling around outside yelling. Mm-hmm. And at first Anne thinks they're strangers that may have found them. So she goes to hide Father Garnet. But instead she she realizes one of them is calling her name and that it's Catsby. Well, not calling her name, just yelling cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. So Winter and Catsby shelter at Garnet's place while mm-hmm. Wade and his men are still in the streets looking for people. And Garnet reproaches Catesby for his actions and for his violence and who patches catsby up here and does 
so Anne patches Catsby up, and then Catsby and Garnet have a discussion where Robin's like, look, you need to help us. You need to join us on this. And, and Garnet's just like, I won't. You can't make me do. Don't tell me any more about this. And then Robin's like, Father, I want to confess. And at first... Father, I have sinned. I, I, I wish to confess. And Garnet at first doesn't want to do anything. He's like, you wouldn't deny me my right. And so he uses confession... To tell him about his plot to kill the king and overthrow Parliament. Which is just wonderful. A wonderful abuse of the religious system. So as he's doing that, eventually Garnet erupts and just says, like, enough. Stop talking. Mm. do you hate me so much you would damn me this way and robin's like no i I respect you you. i love you i love you so much that i want you to be on the right side of this and garnet again refuses and at that time Anne starts to walk back over towards them because she was on like the other side of the room and garnet yells for her to get out of the room Mm -hmm. and then as robin leaves and decides to braid him too she's like you're gonna get him and me killed you can't keep doing this. You, you, you're, you're a selfish child. And you're just playing straight into Cecil's hands. Mm-hmm. So then he and Tom leave. And then it's Anne talking with Garnet again. And he's just like, one day Rob is going to bring a storm down upon all of us. And I'm not sure I'll be able to endure it like Father Smith did. Basically, th- this is Father Garnet. Earlier, Father Garnet admitted that he was a coward mm-hmm. and that he was hiding away from all the troubles. And this is him admitting not only is he a coward, but he's a coward that doesn't have the moral fortitude that the lessers of his faith do. Which is hilarious to me. And she's like, no, you'll survive it. And anyways, it won't even come to that. And he's like, no, it's coming to that. And I won't endure it. Outside, Robin and Thomas run into Jack Wright. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, guys, Father Gerard was apprehended and taken to the Tower of London. Yes. So then we cut to seeing Father Jared being waterboarded. Specifically, he just says the tower. Yes. They're in London. So what other tower? He's being waterboarded. And then he's being stretched. Yep. And Wade tells him he's going to break and he'll talk. And so Father Jared's response is to just start praying in Latin. Mm -hmm. And William White's just like, that's not going to help. So, and he's, the only thing he's interrogating about is the whereabouts of Catsby, which again, wild that this is like all you want to know. Not like why were Catsby, Wright, and Thomas meeting? What are they, what are they planning? What's going on? We know you were at the bar. Like, what the fuck, man? No, he's like, where's Catsby? Who is the fourth dude that murdered two of my guys? Yeah. He's like, if you tell me where Robin Catsby is, I will set you free. And Father Gerard's response is that he lives in God's grace and love, and thus he is already a free man. So uh, he continues to be stretched. We hear a nice pop and a sickening crack. And he passes out from the pain. Yeah, so Wade slaps him a few times, tries to shake him awake. We get a groan, but nothing. And then we see that this entire time Cecil has been watching, which feels right. He feels like the type of guy to just watch. <laughs> yeah, he kind of feels like a Ramsey Bolton. Yeah. So he asks when they'll be able to question Father Jared again, and Wade tells him two to three hours, and Cecil says, make it two, and then leaves. So Catsby and Fox are in the are in this bar, and they end up sitting next to these two people. And I love it, because at first we're just focusing on these two people. I'm like, I don't think we've seen these. Yeah. And then they sit down, the, and the guy looks at him and he's just like, do I know you? And Robin's like, no, but we're going to have a conversation. And pulls an apple on the guy. Yep. So Robin takes the guy that he was sitting next to and leads him out of the bar. Well, Fox is blocking the guy that he was sitting next to into this corner booth. And just commands him to eat. Yep. So at knife point, Caspi takes this guard and leads him back to the tower and forces him to guide him through to find Father Gerard. Gets in no problem. We cut back to Guy, just tells the guy to eat again. Because the guy's like stopped eating. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to Robert and Robin gets to the father. And when he gets to the father, we then go back to Guy now. Well, he gets to the father. He smacks the, the guard with a knife, takes his oh, keys. Yeah. He's like, can you walk? Picks the father up on his shoulder. Like, 
one arm over his shoulder, and they kind of hobble out together. And then we cut back to Guy, who has just stabbed the man. Apparently, he wasn't eating. Yeah, and then we cut back. Literally, it's this brief moment, which didn't feel necessary, but I found extremely amusing. Again, Fox's entire persona in the show is just, I have a problem. I wonder if my knife can fix it. Yeah, so Robin and the father head out, and they go upstairs and say they need to get to the river. So I'm assuming they need to jump in the river because they went up several stairs to get there and they're going up some more. So I assume they're yeah. jumping into the river. And then we see some people sitting at the river in a boat and it's Tom Winter and, and Jack Wright. Yep. And then we cut back to William Wade who is coming back in and he wants the priest. The priest is gone, so alarms go up. Well, about the same time that they realize that the father is gone, the door to the roof, Catsby has a key and he's trying to open it, but the key breaks. Yes. So they have to start improvising. Uh, and the place mobilizes. Also, Catsby gets in a brief sword f- knife fight with the man. Yeah, right after they mobilize. A Mur- guy comes around the corner and uh, Robin stabs him with a sword he's drawn. Yep, murders the dude. And they end up managing to escape through a sewage way filled with shit. Yeah, this is another scene where they're cutting back and forth between William Wade's perspective and Robin's perspective. Yeah, but it's but a it's br- really, it's a really breakout well scene. Like, yes, because it's, it's a me- jailbreak. It's meant to gather suspension and tension. And do it well. And it does. And it's really well done. It's really you weird. You can do a smash cuts really well. It's really weird how sometimes if you do it with like style and intent, a smash cut has like a lot of effect in the storytelling. But other times when you just use it to transition from scene to scene, from no character reason. to character, for no reason. For brief periods of time. It just bogs it all down and feels bad. Yeah. So Robin and the father get out and they make it to the boat and the boat peeps manage to get under a bridge just in time for Wade and his men to come outside and not see anyone on the water. Yep. So they end up making their escape and that's the end of episode two. So what are your thoughts overall on Gunpowder? It's a good show. It's a very good show. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil the, the, the kind of reveal here. Gunpowder only has three episodes. That's right, guys. So Boom. if you liked what you've heard about the show so far... Go watch the three episodes. It's three hours of your life. It's, I think, shorter than Endgame. So yeah, like do it. It's fucking great. I know I'm gonna watch the third episode because I've already spent the first two episodes. Yeah, we'll probably be watching it after this episode goes up. So yeah, this show is great. I love Kit Harrington. I've only seen him in Game of Thrones and this, and maybe one other thing. I think I've seen him in something else, but nothing I can remember off the top of my head. And he always impresses me with how well he delivers. In fact, I spent most of the first... We watched the first episode twice. Yes. And the second time through, I spent most of that just like thinking, man, Kit Harrington could just do all the roles Orlando Bloom did and I'd be happy with it. Like Kit Harrington could just be the modern Orlando Bloom. And like if they did read Lord of the Rings, yeah, I'd buy him as Legless. If I think I like him better as Aragorn, but yeah, he could be a if, decent Legless. If they wanted to do Pirates of the Caribbean and reboot that from the start as a Will Turner, 100% on board for that. If they wanted to play a Musketeer, definitely. Yeah. Like he could just redo all of Orlando Bloom's career and I'd be perfectly fine. Understandable. Yeah. But also, uh, the show's very good. I enjoy it a lot. I like period dramas. I like historical dramas as well. And the show the show's interesting because I have like a base knowledge of the gunpowder treason and like more than just Guy Fox fucked up. Like, I have a little bit deeper than that knowledge, but, like, a lot of the names I didn't know before going into this show, I knew Winter, and I knew Catsby. I knew Winter, Catsby, and Wright. Only ones I knew. And Percy. I Winter, Catsby, and Percy. Percy. Off my head. Like, those were the ones I was aware of, and I've had, like, this base, like, knowledge of the gunpowder plot, mainly because of V for Vendetta, right? Like, I saw V for Vendetta. Red V Anonymous for Vendetta. Was a, anonymous was a thing. Anonymous was a th- thing, so it was just like, oh, who the fuck is Guy Fox? And, and thus research began. Yeah. So, yeah, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed this show very much, though. 
Yeah, I also really enjoyed it. Like, I think the pacing throughout the show is fantastically done. This show knows when to do a cut, and mm-hmm. it does it appropriately. Like, no scene feels like it drags on too long, and the scenes that are longer where we don't get shit or anything happening still feels appropriate in the scene and in the context. It still feels amazing that I was able to watch episode one and not feel like I needed notes. I did get a couple scenes out of order, like, in my memory. But we do that even when we have notes. Yeah, so, like amazing the show is told in such a manner that you don't have to feel like you have to try to remember anything because it's all it's not spoon fed but like it's very well presented linear and well presented yeah i i really enjoyed it one of my favorite things though is that one man broke into the tower of london by holding another at knife point yes because even in 1605 it wasn't worth your life for a shitty job yeah who would have guessed weird right but anyways guys this has been our review of gunpowder and i think the general consensus between both of us is watch it if you live in England, happy Guy Fox Day, happy Bonfire Night. It's a bit early, but celebrate it. Have fun. A couple days early, but yeah, celebrate, have fun, burn effigies of politicians you hate, because that's apparently what you guys do now. Yeah. You know, you know what's crazy? Guy Fox is no longer, like, these guys were vilified. That's what the holiday was about. It was about these guys who failed. Yeah. But now, like, in 2002, Guy Fox was like, Listed as one of the top 30 folk heroes of all of British history. They're like, yeah, yeah, this dude almost on par with Robin Hood. Yeah. But, you know, we don't necessarily know everything about it. Obviously, we don't. we're not British. And also, we haven't done the fact checking of it or looked into it a lot. But you know what you can do to let us know if we're wrong? Or just you want to tell us about it? Or tell us how you celebrate it? Tweet you can, us. You can tweet us at Copilot's Review. You can email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You can go to copilotsreview.simplecast.com where you find a link to our Gmail, our Twitter, our YouTube, and our Discord. And on our Discord, you can talk to us there about it as well. Yeah. In Discord, you have a chance of having real-time interactions with us discussing the show and how we were very wrong about the English history and how apparently Guy Fox Day is still vilifying them, maybe. I'm not for sure. I only know what I read on Google, people. Yeah. But anyways, thank thanks you for, for flying. flying with us. And please, fly again soon.